We're in the book of Luke, chapter number 21. For those of you who have been attending First Baptist Church, we've been going to the book of Luke since Christmas last year and uh, different places there. We've stopped a few times and done some other things. And I'm going to conclude our study of the book of Luke today. And then this next month, of course, we're talking about the Christmas season. And I'm going to just wait to the new year to finish out uh, chapters 22, 23, and 24, the last three chapters. But today is a very unique a passage of Scripture. The Lord Jesus is in his last uh, week of ministry. In the morning, he goes to the temple, and many people come to listen to him. At night, he goes to Mount of Olives in Bethany, and Bethanage, and he goes there, and and uh, he secludes himself with his disciples and his friends. In the morning, he goes down to the temple, and people come come uh, and listen to him talk. The scribes, the Pharisees, the religious rulers of the day are furious. They're angry with him. They have tried multiple ways to trick him and to try to tempt him by ta- asking him about the Roman coin. They've asked him about marriage and, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, remarriage, and they've tried to trick him in different ways. And finally, they say, man, we, every time we try to ask him a question, he makes us look like an idiot. Because he knew their mind, and he knew the scriptures, and he knew the mind of God. So they said, you know what, we're not asking any more questions. We're going to revert to force. We're going to revert to, to manipulation. And of course, they, you'll find out in the next few chapters, they hire Judas to betray him. And they work in the middle of the night, and he's been going up to the Mount of Olives, up to the, the Garden of Gethsemane. How many have ever been to Israel and been to the Garden of Gethsemane? They think of all the things in Israel that probably is the accurate location. That is the location. And boy, that's an unbelievable special place. I remember going there and kneeling with Linda and with many of our friends who went to Israel that time. And I want to thank you for letting us go with you. But uh, it's a special place, but they, they, uh, they would get him there in the middle of the night, take him and just, just brutally and, and uh, very cruelly treat him and abuse him all night long and then take him to Pilate the next morning to be crucified the next afternoon. This is all preliminaries to that. But in the middle of this, uh, Jesus tells them that things are going to be winding down in the world as you know it. Now, he is in the court of the women, which is a place outside of the Holy of Holies in the temple. There is the court of the Gentiles. The Gentiles, if you and I went there, we in those days could not go into the main court. We would be in the court of the Gentiles unless you're Jewish, and some of you are. But uh, then there was the court of the priest, and then there was Solomon's porch on the outside. And, uh, of course, the, 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 the temple was at as one of its better times. Remember, it was destroyed uh, the Solomon's temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar about 600 years before Jesus came. And uh, Ezra went back and he rebuilt the temple. It wasn't to the same quality, did not have the same money that Solomon did to build it. But Herod, in order to gratiate himself to the Jewish people, uh, he spent uh, about 20 years before Jesus came a lot of money and a lot of manpower to make the Jewish temple nice. And he put a lot of gold on it and it was then they were proud of it. They were proud. They couldn't stand who helped make it. They couldn't stand Herod, but they were proud of their temple. And Jesus was there, and you might remember last week we talked a little bit about the widow's might, throwing their offerings there and Jesus watching them. And then they, he said, in just a few days, he said, uh, there's going to be not one stone left upon another stone. And they couldn't believe that he said that. Uh, because uh, that just wasn't possible. These stones were put there by, by Herod. They were built. They were so structurally sound. But, uh, of course, in AD 70, Titus came to town, 
And, and he, did, he wanted to protect the temple, uh, and his, from what I understand. However, it caught on fire, and the fire melted all the gold and things that came into the crevices, and the soldiers trying to get all the spoil they could and the loot they could, they began to knock down every single stone until everything that God said would happen happened so they can get the gold that seeped down in between those things. It's kind of an interesting story. But Jesus predicted that. He says, not going to be one stone left upon another. And he said, uh, they asked him, when is all this going to happen? Now, it's just a part of being a hum human. We're interested in prophecy and when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. And God is more interested in what we're doing in light of the prophecy than all of knowing how you can connect all the dots. God tells us a lot about heaven. He tells us about hell. He, does, he gives the good and the bad and the ugly. And you can accept it or reject it. But uh, he tells us, but, but he speaks about heaven more so in some generic terms. It leaves a lot for the imagination to imagine. When you hear about hell, all you know is you don't want to go there. There's not everything about hell that we understand. There's lots of unanswered questions. But when he talks about prophetic things, uh, sometimes you can't understand everything. And I'm not going to stand here and tell you, oh, I understand it perfectly. I don't. There's many things I've been studying this week in this passage of Scripture and seeing what the Lord does. I think what I would do today is just I'm going to walk you through some things that I think can help us practically, but also I think chronologically some of these things that we're going to talk about that Jesus spoke, he spoke about the Israelite nation, the Jews that were listening. They were the audience when he spoke this. It was the Jewish nation. It was all of his disciples were Jews. Everybody was in the court of the women. They were Jews there. And so he was talking to them, and he was telling them what's going to happen in time to come. And they're saying, when? When is this going to happen, and how, and what are the signs that we'll know this is going to happen? And he picks up his narrative and tells them some things. We need to hasten, but would you please open your Bible and go to Luke chapter 24, 21, excuse me. And the Bible tells us in verse number 7, I'm going to read this part, just going to give you a little bit of background. Verse 7, and they ask him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be? And what signs are to be for these things shall come to pass? That all this is going to, destruction is going to come and difficulties are going to come. And he said, take heed to be not deceived. For many shall come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And the time draweth near. And go not ye after their, therefore after them. He said, there'll be people who will be false messiahs. We've heard about them. We know about that. But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions and be not terrified. For these things must come to pass, but the end is not by and by. He said, there's going to be wars and there's going to be commotions and, dis and a confusion in society, but don't, don't get worried and don't get uh, scared about that. Matter of fact, a hundred times in the Bible, God tells us, don't be afraid. He doesn't want us to be afraid. He tells us the truth. He tells us what's going to happen, and we have him. But he says, don't be, don't be terrified when you have this happen. Look at verse number 10. Then said he unto them, nation shall rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. He says it's going to get real national in its, in its, in its travesties. And then it's going to get natural. Verse number 11, would you read it out loud with me? And great earthquakes shall be in divers places and famines and pestilence. Great signs shall there come from heaven. He says it's going to not only be national challenges, but there's going to be natural challenges, earthquakes in divers places and, and volcanoes and, and disease, pestilence. That's what pestilence means, disease. We've got the COVID, that is, but it crippled our, our whole world. I was driving yesterday thinking about, boy, how things have changed just because of COVID-19. Crazy. He said, he said, these things are going to happen. He goes, look, if you would, please, verse number 13, verse 12. 
But before all these things, they shall lay their hands on you. So before we get to the end, they're going to begin to persecute you. Deliver you up in the synagogues and the prisons and brought you before kings and rulers for my sake. He said, this happened to Stephen, it happened to Paul, it happened to, to Savonarola and many Christians down through history. They would bring them in and they would persecute them. It happened to Jesus just a couple days after he said this. Now, verse number 13, he said, and it shall turn unto you for a what? He says, some of this is going to be good because whenever a Christian goes through difficulty, he said, there are some positives that come out of that. There are some things that come and, and you'll get a chance to speak normally in those situations. Notice what he says in the next verse, verse number 14. Settle it, therefore, in your where? Hearts. Not to meditate, therefore, about what you shall answer. He said, don't, don't have to plan too much about what you're going to say whenever you're in a pressure situation. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom with all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay or resist. And boy, he said, he said when you get in those situations and you're persecuted for my sake, he said, when that happens... I'm going to help you know what to say when you're given a chance to say. I don't know if you would like to do this, but later on, maybe today, you ought to read what Stephen said in Acts chapter 7. It is unbelievable what he said right before they stoned him and left him under a pile of rocks. And I don't think he came up with all that himself. I think the Lord helped him. Uh, many people, Judas, uh, Jude, the one who wrote the book of Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, uh, I don't, it's not in the Bible, but uh, Josephus records that whenever he died, he said, he said, not once in my life, they, they, they threatened. He said, if, you can, if you'll recant Jesus, we'll let you live. And he said, my Jesus has never forsaken me and I will not, in my life, and I will never forsake him in this death. And he said some things that, that were very powerful and moved other people. He said, it'll be a testimony. Look, if you would please, verse 15, or verse 14, 16. And ye shall betray both of parents and brethren and kinsfolks and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. Who is he talking to once again, primarily? What group of people? The Jewish people. Have you ever had seen anyone? Anti-Semitic means against the Jew. Have you heard anyone ever say against the Hawaiian? you know, against the Brazilian. You know, it's interesting, there's people group that's just hated. And you know why they're hated? Primarily because of their namesake. They are God's people. He said, they're going to hate you because of your namesake. You know, I don't know anyone against the Palestinian. I don't know that they, there's, a, there's a challenge there, but you don't have those. those. You have pro-Palestinian rallies. But against the Jew, he said, you're going to be hated for my sake. This is very right. It's almost like you're reading the USA Today. Let's look at the next thing, verse, verse, 17, verse number 18. And there shall not a hair of your heads uh, perish. In your patience possess ye your souls. And, of course, I think that's not talking about the fact that you'll never be heard unless he is talking about now in, uh, in future tense of the 144,000 Jews, which some people believe that's in context here. Verse number 20. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of the depart out. And let not them that are in the countries therein enter in, or sorry, enter therein too. Verse 22, for these be the days of vengeance, 
and all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and those that give suck in those days, for there shall be a great distress in the land, and wrath upon these people. Verse number 24, would you read it with me? I want to just stop and give some information. Verse 24, everyone together. And they shall shall be led away captive into all nations until the time of the Gentiles. If you're in, in the habit of writing things in your Bible, you may want to underline or quotations the time of the Gentiles. Just a, just a quick uh, explanation here. We're going to start talking about Jesus is going to talk about future events. I think you can apply this because, once again, about 30 years after Jesus said this, Titus would come in and destroy Jerusalem. And uh, they, they, would, they would destroy it and burn it to the ground, and, and, and it would become a, a land of thugs. And it would scatter the Jewish people again all over the world. And they would not assemble again until 1948, whenever God brought Israel back to place. But here's three things that I think are important for us to understand about prophecy, prophetic events. Number one, the first time Jesus came, he came to his own. He came to the world to give his life a ransom for sin. Uh, Jesus died so we could live. Jesus, the innocent, died for you and I, the guilty. He who didn't have any sin became sin for us, that we could be made righteous before God. So the first time Jesus came, he came to his own. The next time, he has not come yet, but he is coming for his own. Now, if you're here today and you're not sure you belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to you, you need to be concerned about that. Because he's coming again. Every, I think almost everyone knows this world is winding down. It's not getting better and better. It's getting worse and worse. And if you can read the Bible, you'll say that in end times, people will wax worse and worse, deceiving each other and being deceived themselves. But sometime in the near future, Jesus is coming for his own. And that's not, he's not coming back to the earth to rule and reign. He's coming to receive those who have accepted him as their gift of eternal life. And then he's coming for I'm sorry, he came to his own, for his own, then he's coming with his own. You'll have to look at the scriptures in entirety, but you can see that. I personally believe that the rest of the chapter is speaking prophetically about the seven years of the vengeance that God is allowing upon his people in the tribulation period. Now, you may disagree with me, and that's fine. I've, I've been wrong so many times, I may be wrong again here. But I think there's many practical things we can see that can, that can do it. But I think it's specifically for uh, the, the tribulation period, those seven years from the time the Lord comes for his own and comes with his own is seven years. And God calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. Because the focus again will be on the nation of Israel. You say, Pastor, why are you so sure that the Lord may come at any time? Well, one of the reasons I'm very sure is because the world's attention has come upon that little nation of Israel. Israel is the size of New Jersey, one of our smallest states. It's small, and yet every day you look in your newspaper, you look in your thing, and Israel is brought into focus. Surrounded by 13 countries that do not even want to exist, don't even recognize the existence. And God is wanting the world is is going to be attached to that thing. I think you you can see this in the scriptures. And in future events... Israel, again, is going to be, it's not going away. It's called the time of the Gentiles. One thing about the Israelite people, 
ever since they rebelled against God and they were scattered abroad, and even uh, all the years they were ruled by the Romans, they were ruled by different uh, by, by the Turks and, and by Great Britain. And even now, if you can imagine, they're ruled in part by the Gentiles. They had their own country, but they're forced to have people within their country who hate them. And they're, they're still complicated by the Gentile people. All the things we're hearing in the news today is, is because of that. Now, the Bible says it's the time of the Gentiles. Now, I think that's going to conclude when the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about when he comes for his own, but when he comes to his own or with his own at the end. So there it's going to, we're going to find there is where the end of the time of Gentiles will be ceased. That's 25. We need to hasten if we can. And I know this morning this is not maybe all that entertaining. I think it's just something I feel like it's very important. We've come to this place in the Bible, and I feel like I don't want to just skip it and just move on. I think it would be good for us to see it and then make practical application. 25. Will you look at verse 25? And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars upon the, upon the earth... Uh, distress of nations with perplexity. That means at, at a loss for a way. They're just very confused um, at their wits' end. And the sea and the waves roaring. So the Bible says now in this time, I think it's going to be the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. He says this is what's going to happen. He said the, 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 the solar bodies and the, 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 uh, the celestial bodies are going to go crazy. The sun, the moon, the stars, and that will affect the waves of the sea. They'll be roaring anytime. The moon and the tides, all that kind of go together. The, all the things that, that the Bible's telling us here, he said it's going to get crazy, and the nations are going to be perplexed. They will not know which way to turn or what's really going on. Verse 26, the Bible says, Men's hearts failing them for fear and looking for those things which are coming on the earth, for the power of the heaven shall be shaken. Verse number 27, Then shall they see... The Son of Man. Now, I don't know if you underline your Bible, but the Son of Man is mentioned 80 times in the New Testament, and it refers to Jesus Christ, okay? So the Son of Man, you'll see it numerous times, but you'll see it. And then shall the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and great glory. That is not the rapture, in my opinion. That is the coming at the end. And when those things begin to come to pass, then look up. Lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Once again, this, I think, is speaking to his people. Verse 29, and he spoke unto them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of, your, of yourselves, the summer is now nigh into hand. Now, I want you to just quickly notice, the fig tree in the Bible is a representation of the nation of Israel. You might remember in Mark chapter 11, remember when Jesus came to the fig tree and it had all of its leaves and it wasn't time for the fruit of that time of the year. Fig trees will produce figs two times a year, usually in late spring and early autumn. But he came and he saw a fig tree and had lots of leaves and he lifted up the leaves to get something to eat because the Bible says he was hungry and there were no, there were no figs, no fruit. And he just said, cursed be the fig tree and he went on his way. On the next day when they came back, they looked over at that fig tree, and what did they see about the fig tree? It was all shriveled. It was no longer there. It, was just, it just shriveled up and, and died overnight. And they couldn't believe it. And, and the Bible tells us that Jesus said, have faith in God. Now, the fig tree is representation of Israel. And here's one of the things that God tells people, watch Israel. 
And then he said, watch the other trees. Those are other nations of the world as well. Look, if you would please, at the next verse, if you would please, verse number 30. Or I'm sorry, verse number 30. And they, they would shoot forth, verse 31. So likewise, ye, when ye see these things, I'd like to encourage you to underline these things. Come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Okay, and that is, of course, when Jesus is going to set up his eternal kingdom. Verily, I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Now, which generation is he talking about? Generations are not necessarily specific time, but I think it's a generation that sees these things come to fruition. It's the people who live in this time. This generation that, that sees Israel become the focus of, of attention, the persecution, the challenges, all the things, and, of course, the, the, uh, the celestial bodies go wacky and the, and, the, and the seas go wacky and the nations are, are challenged against each other. He said, this generation shall not pass till all be fulfilled. Verse 33, would you look at it with me? And I want you to read it with me. Heaven and earth shall, but my words... He said, what I'm telling you about this, you can, the heaven and earth is going to melt with a fervent heat. What I'm telling you is going to last forever. Let's look at the next of it. Here is the so what. Okay, we're, we're about three minutes till noon, and we're going to wrap this up. Why don't you pay attention real quickly to verse number 34. And take heed to who? Yourselves. Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with suffering. Now, suffering is a is a medical term, and once again, Doc Luke was a medical doctor. The man that God used to write this Bible, inspired by the Holy Ghost, was, and he used a medical term. Suffering has to do with um, nausea, headache, hangover-like symptoms. Okay, some of you have turkey hangover, <laughs> stuffing hangover, okay? Some of you got butter hangover, you know, you got all kinds of stuff going on there, pumpkin pie hangover. He said, he said beware Take heed yourselves that you don't go through uh, 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 at this time. And he says, drunkenness. And boy, I'm telling you what, they can't even sell a pair of jeans without a glass of whiskey. It just seems like you can't watch a single movie that does not put out alcohol with regularity. Everything has to be with alcohol. You go to a ball game and people, will, you span the crowd and people look for their beer and hold their beer up. It's just unbelievable, the drunkenness of our society, the immorality that comes from that. It's just wherever you find that, you're going to find some challenges. He said, he said look, if this, is, if this is coming into play, you don't want to have a hangover with the world's party. You don't want to be caught up in drunkenness. And then it says, and the cares of this world, materialism. You know, I think that those are some sins of Christians. They're sins of society. Caught up with stuff, caught up with materialism, caught up with drunkenness and the party and the pleasures. He said, look, you need to take care of yourself. Take heed to yourself. If this is all coming into the funnel of God's judgment, you and I ought to live in a very elevated lifestyle, focused on what God wants us to do. Look at the next verse, if you would, please. We're looking at verse number 35. The Bible says, and as a snare shall it come upon you that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Now it says, verse 36, would you look at the first word? Tell me what it is. Watch ye therefore and pray always. So you may be counted worthy to escape these things that have come to pass and to stand before who? You know, God gives prophecy for comfort and for a warning and for edification, edifying us and helping us and admonishing us. Listen, listen. 
as children of God, Christian, at this time of your life, uh, you have inside tracks. If you have a Bible, you have inside track, inside information on future events that the rest of the world is still scratching their head about. What should I do with all this information? Number one, he said, I, I want you, John, not to get hung over with the world. I don't want you to get caught up in pleasure in the party spirit. I want you not to get caught up with materialism. Get all you can, can all you get, sit in your can and tell me how many people you got in your can. Don't, don't get in that stuff. He said, instead, I want you to keep your eyes open and watch and pray that you'll get ready for the Son of Man when he comes because you're going to stand before him. What a great God that over 2,000 years ago almost he sat down in a temple and gave this information that we can read it 2,000 years later and say, wow, that's heavy stuff. But also say, I think I need to get serious. I don't want to get caught up in materialism. I don't want to get caught up in the party and the pleasure spirit. I don't want to get caught up in suffering, getting confused about all that's going on and out to lunch, if you will, sick spiritually. Don't want to get caught up in that. I want to watch and pray that I can be worthy to escape that kind of a lifestyle and be ready when the Lord Jesus comes. I don't know about you, but it's great admonition for me. And I would to God that I could take those things and apply them to my heart, and we could do that as a church family too. Listen, what we just now read comes from the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. You read it with me. I hope you apply it to your life. I hope you said, you know, Lord, I don't want to get sick with this world's toxins. I don't want to get caught up in the pleasures and the party spirit. I don't want to get caught up in the materialism. I want to watch and pray. Then I can escape those things so when the Son of Man cometh, we're ready to talk. And I'm ready to love him and worship him forever. Let's pray together.